how's it going people uh we are back back again um usual suspects uh saned uh mo farooq and we have someone special we have man like big steve in the building uh big steve of the famous uh big six show i'm pretty sure you know some of you guys are aware of uh uh the thing uh they've been doing since the past couple of years and it's it's an absolute honor to have uh Steve on the show to discuss this uh massive tie um a repeat of a previous very eventual um semi-final tie we have but before we get into it Steve talk to us talk to us how the blue side of Manchester have been feasting you know as of <laughs> We're reason. doing all right. We're doing okay. Um, yeah, we're still top of the league. Liverpool yeah. just won again, so we're still one point ahead. Mm. We're in the semi-final of the uh, Champions League again after last yeah. year's. Obviously, we got to the final. Mm. We've already been to Madrid once and um, sorted your uh, neighbours out. You know what I mean? It wasn't the best football <laughs> in the world, but you expect that from Atletico Madrid. You know what I mean? WrestleMania tactics. But we uh, we got through it. And um, yeah, life on the blue side of Manchester at the minute is not too too bad. I've booked my uh, flights for Madrid next week and um, I'm looking forward to going to the fantastic Bernabeu. And um, hopefully that is where we'll see Man City get through to the final after Tuesday's game. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say the noisy neighbours have become the big brothers of Manchester. Eh? The noisy neighbours have now uh, taken over the, the street, mate. <laughs> so, so I've always wanted to ask, you know, a City fan this because uh, myself, when when the Abu Dhabi group first took over, I used to follow City a little bit, but and then people used to say, you know, there are more fans of City in Manchester than there are United fans. Uh, is true. that true? True, yeah. Proper um, fans. Listen, Manchester United is uh, is obviously one of the biggest clubs in the world. It's more like a tourist attraction now. It's like Disneyland. You know what I mean? People come, they eat candy floss. They swing in the car park like Ronaldo. They're all taking pictures. Even when they lose, they come out. They all want pictures. They buy shirts. It's, you know what I mean? It's lost its soul a little bit. You know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah. it's, become, a, it's become a bit tourist attraction. We, we, we're a proper club, man. You know what I mean? We've been, we've been through it from the second division. You know, 30,000 fans in Division 2 in English football every week. Um, when your neighbours are winning European Cups and you're, you're struggling... It was tough, but we 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 uh, obviously we got the Abu Dhabi group in, and they've changed the whole football club from top to bottom. They've not only built a great team, but they've rebuilt a football club from top to bottom. And now um, there's a lot of new fans that have joined Manchester City. Obviously, with success brings these new fans, but the loyal, core, hardcore Mancunian working class fans are still there. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, man, we've been on some football journey, man. It's been crazy. Yeah, for me, always the most memorable game of City is the one uh, that you won at Old Trafford under Ferguson 6-1. I'm I sure you remember that, right? I was you there. there. Yeah. Well, when, I was, when I first watched City in 1989, my first season, um, we, we got promoted from the Division uh, 2 into Division 1, and we beat Manchester United 5-1 at Main Road. Oh. And um, I lived on that for years. In school, when they were winning, all I had to fight back was 5-1, 5-1. And then when we got to Old Trafford that day, um, 6-1 at Old Trafford was unbelievable. For, a Man for whole Man City fans, going into work on the Monday morning was the best feeling you've ever, you can ever imagine. Uh, um, it's actually interesting the fact that you've been to Main Road, right? Because yes. uh, for me, I've never see actually seen City play at the Main Road, but uh, how is the difference between Main Road and you know the now Etihad Stadium? Main Road was brilliant. It was a proper old-school a football stadium, very, very intimidating, very, very hostile. The area around the ground was very, very intimidating for away supporters. It was a crazy place, man. Um, special place. We, we didn't, obviously, when I started watching them in the eight, late 80s, early 90s there, we wasn't the best, but we had some fantastic memories there. And then, obviously, with the Etihad Stadium move, I think, I think it was too good of an opportunity to turn down. The, the, the Commonwealth Games Stadium was going to be empty. Um, we, we had a chance of getting it. We had to just give away Main Road and put a little bit of money to and get this fantastic stadium, which we did. Um, but we've now created our own history in the Etihad Stadium. I think we're creating a great history there. It's obviously people, you love your old stadiums, you get attached to them. But I think the younger generation coming through now have got attached to the Etihad. So 
one chapter now is gone. It's gone, main road. Fantastic. I'm privileged to be there and feel it. Because I always say you, you, you feel football grounds. that you When you go in there, they have a feeling about them. And I felt it in, in, in my chest. And now the Etihad has got me sometimes. The Aguero moment, last minute. Um, you know, we've done some fantastic things at the Etihad. And um, yeah, we're creating its own chapter, the Etihad now. Absolutely. Um, Aguero, like... The, the way he etched himself into folklore is, is, is somewhat underrated and like people generally downplay his impact um, in the Premier League and how much impact he had um, in the City side. But uh, moving on to the present day, uh, both City and Real Madrid are in like, they, they are the champion select of their respective leagues and uh, City has been like very persistent in how, how they approach this title race. Is it down to purely experience, Steve, from the past three seasons in the Premier League? Well, we, to be honest, this season, we, we sold Aguero, uh, sorry, we let Aguero go. Mm. And then we basically have played all season with no striker. We've played with a false nine, no striker. Um, so it's been difficult at times because you're used to Man City blowing people away. And don't, don't get me wrong, we do blow some teams away, but... Some yeah. teams, it's been hard. We have no strikers, so there's no sort of plan B. Um, but, yeah, we've got the experience now. We, the, the last few years when we've gone for a title race, if it's been close, we've either held on and won it or we've caught the person in front and won it. So I like to think our players know that this business end of the season, we know how to get the job done. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, we're playing well at the minute. We, Pep's really doing well with the squad. He's rotating it well. Um after the game in Madrid, it took a lot out of the players, some injuries. We went yep. to the semi-final at Wembley. He, you know, he, he didn't throw the, the, the big guns in and we got beat. Um, but we'd rather lose the FA Cup semi-final than lose players to the title run. So hopefully it's proved, proved okay. How good was Gabriel Jesus yesterday? Like, I guess, what? For... Yeah, the, the, the rumours came out the night before that he was signing for mm. Arsenal end of the season. Yeah. So um, whether this was like, no, don't tell me, or I don't know. But he, he just had a good game. I mean, he's been a great player for Manchester City. And um, people that watch him week in, week out, he's not a goal scorer, but he works so hard. And he's so his energy levels. Um, yeah. When we play big sides, I mean, Real Madrid, the last time he played you, 2020, he was, he was very important in that. He harassed Varane. He was yeah. chasing dead balls down. And, um, you know, he's a great player. But the, this modern-day football fan tends to judge strikers on their goals, assists. But um, with Jesus, he's, he's, he's a lot more than that. He came from Brazil. He's very hungry, passionate. And he's only he's only like 25 years old, I think. And he's, he seems to be around forever. Dead in his prime, yeah, absolutely. It's me. I was, you know, was going to Interesting fact I was to know. He's an yeah. Arsenal fan. So I'm, pr I'm pretty sure that he loved the display yesterday and he's waiting with open arms for Gabriel Jesus to come to, you know, the Emirates. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure we can actually pull that off yet. I, I'm sure, like, you, you're letting Lacazette leave, right? Uh, yeah. So probably, probably. You never know. If, if, if we sign Haaland, um, then I think this, somebody's got to go and it'll either be Sterling or Jesus. I saw it in the big Steve, uh, I mean, big six, uh, Steve, that you actually mentioned that uh, your number one source actually told you that Haaland is actually done. It's yeah. done and done. Yeah, there's some, uh, I did. I can't really reveal it yet, but I mm. spoke to somebody who's close to Haaland. Um, yeah. And um, they told me it, not to worry. And then um, I don't know if you've seen it the other day. I have, I actually got Alfie Hinger Haaland's phone number because he's a... Um, I spoke to Erling Haaland two years ago about something totally separate to football, a business right. deal, and he gave me Alfie's number. So the other night when I was live on the show, we texted him, Alfie Haaland. I said, I'm only going to get one text because he's probably going to block me or get me arrested. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I, sent him, um, I sent him one text and it was a beautiful text about the history of Man City and, and about how that um, there's unfinished business in Manchester for Haaland after Roy Keane uh, mm. tackled his dad. And, and yeah, left yeah. in a nasty way. It's time for mm. his son to come yeah. back and um, <laughs> put that right. Do, do you think, Steve, that once his uh, uh, redemption arc or the vengeance uh, story is done, once he's done the business, uh, will you guys let him join us in the future? 
Well, to be honest, the thing is with Manchester City, um, we're not a team that stands in the way of people. If people want to leave, people you know, aren't great. We, yeah. we, we, we let them go. So yeah. we don't hold people to ransom. Leroy Sané wanted to go to Bayern Munich. No problem. Mm. Ferran Torres wanted to go to Barca. No problem. Yeah. And, and But I think what, what you've got to understand is if you're doing well at Manchester City, it's very rare mm. that you want to leave. It's very rare you want to leave. Leroy Sané was, was in and out the side. He wanted to leave. Ferran Torres was in and out the side. He'd been playing left wing, right wing, false nine, striker. Didn't yeah. quite cut it. But you, you get the Agueros, the Kevin De Bruyne, the Yaya Torres, David mm. Silva, people like that. Vincent Company, they're here for 10 years. So the, the, the Manchester City is a footballing place. is a yeah. great place to work. And I think what, what City do is... They probably tell them, yeah, no problem. If you want to leave, you can leave. But I think once they get here, they look after them that well. And the pressure's different at Manchester City than it is at Real Madrid. You know, if, if you go to Real Madrid and you're not scoring goals, they're outside the training ground, they're smashing your cars up, they're coming for you everywhere you go. Manchester City fans, we're used to disappointment all our life. So we, can give, <laughs> we give these players time, man. We relax. We, we, we back them 100%. And it's like the media can come for them. But we'll never turn on him. You never see Manchester City fans turn on the players ever. Even if they're mm. poor, we just deal with it. The club deal with it. They know to get rid of them. But the fans, they're, they're quite unique in that way. Actually, see, I was wondering, you know, like the thing we, you just mentioned right now, like, for example, with uh, Ferran Torres and uh, uh, Sani. So, like, you think the things that Pep plays these players in different positions, as you said, like left winger, right winger and striker. For example, we touched on Gabriel Jesus earlier as well. Do you think actually this affects the reason why the players decide to go, like, they have no standard position in the team. For example, a player like Gabriel Jesus, you think of him as an out and nice striker. And but like I think for the past two years, he's been playing on the wing, you know, and like his goal contribution is so less. And if he gets a team like Arsenal, he's willing to give him a position of a center nine, you know, a permanent position without having to tweak and change every week. Maybe does this mm -hmm. affect the reason why the players eventually decide to, you know, go and find, you know, a permanent position? It depends if you if you if it depends what kind of a player you are. If you've got a strong mind and you believe you're better than where Pep Guardiola wants to play you, then I think you're going to want to leave and go and play that position. If you listen to him and think, hold on a minute, the best manager in the world is telling me that I'm a left-back, so I'm going to knuckle down. Zinchenko came as a midfield player, a number 10. He's now a left-back. Fabian Delft came as a, as a defensive midfield player, and, and he, we won the Centurion season at left-back. You seen Philip Lahm at Bayern Munich go from full-back to centre-mid and, 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 and Kimmich. And, and this is what, you know, some players buy into it. And, and for me, it's a case of like, you know, if, if, if Pep Guardiola is picking you in this Manchester City team and you're, you're there to do a job, then do a job. If you don't fancy, I don't think Ferran Torres really liked the Manchester weather. He was locked in a COVID situation for two years yeah. in, a, in a flat in Manchester. It's raining all the time. You know, I think he just thought, I need to get back to Barcelona. So I don't, I don't blame him, but... You know, it is what it is. Pep Guardiola, does he make these players better? I, I, th I think he does. I think another manager will take, keep you on the wing and, and keep you there all the time. With Pep, he, he shows you different scenarios where you've got to defend, get back, put inside, go outside. So, I don't know. I just think, um, yeah, a lot of the players that, like Leroy Sané and um, Torres, I think they left for different reasons. But, yeah, yeah Pep does play some strange positions. Okay, what about why not uh, Kane instead of Haaland then? Because we know Kane has the pedigree. He's played in the Premier League. He's shown he can do it. And like he's like, I think he's one of the most, you can kind of say like mobile strikers out there. Like these are the Pep Guardiola kind of players. Then why don't you go with like proven quality instead of going with Haaland and And you don't know what's going to happen with him or not. Well, to be honest, uh, I think they tried for Kane, but the price got too ridiculous. And if you know Manchester City, um, yeah. they never buy anybody over the age of like, they never buy anyone at 28 years old because he's not got no value or he's got no improvement value. So they, they, they have a certain wage structure and, and price. And, and, and City have walked away from deals before because it's not been right. And I think Kane, the Kane boat's gone. So they've re-evaluated it. They've got, if they get Haaland, it'd be like 63 million. So it'd literally be a quarter or, or like, you know, nearly, what do they want for Kane? 150. So you get Haaland for 63. You know what I mean? You've got 10 years. You've got Kane at 28, 29. So I understand what you're saying, but I think we can work with Haaland. I think Pep can mould him into the player he wants. He's young enough. And don't forget, we signed uh, Alvarez as well from River Plate. You yeah. know what I mean? He's South American yeah. player of the year. £14 million, pounds, man. £14 million. Pounds. So for the price, uh, uh, half of what you're going to get for Kane, 
you've got you could get Erling Haaland and Alvarez. So we've automatically there got two fantastic young talents. So I think that's the way they're going to go with it. Actually, you know, I was a lot of thinking about, you know, the Van Persie team with United where like, so Alex never bought a striker who's like above 29, something like that. And then he just felt, you know, the presence of Man City, like because of that, if you could recall, like, you know, he lost the title from Man City, I think with a point or something like that on the last day with a goal difference, sorry. And he brought City, he bought RVP and like it just changed everything automatically. So I was actually kind of thinking, you know, if let's say, for example, Klopp and Liverpool were actually to overall leave uh, City this year. I felt like, you know, that might be an exception for City and Guardiola to say, okay, like, let's bring in, you know, the person who's going to lead us right now and now. Because the thing is, like, eventually Klopp's going to leave these guys in one or two years and, like, Sani and uh, Mani, Salah and these guys are all getting old, you know, just to get one over Liverpool and their their front team. Like, I was thinking maybe that might be more logical. For... I, think, I think Man United uh, might go for Kane. I just yeah. got a feeling they might go for him. But will Kane go for United? Well, to be honest, <laughs> even even United in the state they're in, they're better than Tottenham. Definitely, definitely. Okay. If, if Ten Hag comes in and bring and he cleans the decks out and he brings in ten players and he's mm. a new team, I think I think the, the 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 excitement of working under Ten Hag and building a new project at Man United might entice Kane to go there rather than Conte, who seems to be okay when he's winning, but as soon as he's losing, he, he he's talking about him running away. But then the point is, like, Kane is 28, right? So, like, what are you going to go and start a project at the age of 28 when he's competing against, like, the two best teams in the world? So, that's the well, thing. Well, United did it with Terry Sheringham and people like that went to United late in their careers and won Champions yeah. Leagues. And I'm not saying United are near that. They're not. But, I mean, Harry Kane's been at Tottenham a long time. He's playing really, really well. Is he going to go down in history of being a great goal scorer with no trophy? Yeah. I was, actually, I was just thinking, rather than go to United, like, I would choose, like, to push to go to a Bayern Munich if they lose their Lewandowski or something like that. Like it makes more sense to go like abroad to a more established team where you can win at the instant because like you're not getting any younger. And the fact is like Kane also like is an injury prone player. Let's not forget this. He like gets well, Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich just won ten straight titles in a row. So mm. what does that tell you about the standard of the Bundesliga? Because Manchester City win two titles in a row and they're calling it Farmers League. They're already calling it a Farmers League if exactly if City actually wins it. Um, but <clears throat> coming back to the title race. Uh, you guys have Leeds United, like right after you take us uh, on at home, yeah. and then you have Newcastle, and then you have West Ham, and then you have Aston Villa. Compared to uh, the Liverpool fixtures on paper, City has the easier run in. How nervous are you leading up to the? Do you know what? I'm not nervous. I'm, I'm um, on the match day, you get a little bit nervous, but listen, I'm a Man City fan. We've got the best manager in the world for me, and we've got a great squad of players that knows how to get over this line. So yeah. we've got to, can't be nervous. We've got to just trust the players and trust Pep. Mm. We've got important games, Real Madrid. It's all about squad management. On Saturday, we, we beat uh, Watford uh, 5-1. Um, Sinchenko left back. Ruben Diaz back in the team. Um, he rotated a few players here and there. Fernandinho started. So People are getting a rest, but Kevin De Bruyne's already playing with injuries. He said that yesterday, that De Bruyne's got uh, ankle troubles and he needs to take him off as soon as he can. Um, so I'm not nervous. It's exciting. This is what you live for in football. You know, you, you, you want to be in a title race. You want to go to the game and, and feel it and, and know that it means something. We could, there's a lot of teams going to games now for, just for nothing. You just go there, watch your team, you finish your mid-table. And it's over. I'm in the title race. Everything means something. You know what I mean? Leeds is going to be hard. Madrid at home is going to be hard. Newcastle is going to be hard. It's just the way it is, man. One slip and it's game over. Mm. But um, it's for for us, though, it's considerably easier uh, considering how Barca and uh, Atleti has been uh, doing the season. They could actually win it with four points, if I'm not right, especially after uh, performing. Yeah, four points. Oh, yeah. So hopefully, uh, if, if I think Barcelona take on Rio today, Rio Vallecano. Yeah. So if yeah. Barcelona drop points today, I think then probably we could win it at Espanol and mm. get the guard of honor at Atleti. That's something that I would want. But yeah. if things don't if things don't turn out that way, then probably we go to the Wanda and hopefully we win the title there. So I think that's mm. what we're looking towards. But like uh, two things, I would like to just you know uh, I would like to interject. Uh, first thing uh, when Big Big Steve you mentioned about. Uh, what the fa- fans think about players underperforming. The thing about Real Madrid is like uh, for, for the last 50 or 70 years, 
uh, we have been at the top of Europe. We have the fans at the stadium. They've seen players, you know, who play at the topmost level of football, the highest quality of football. So when they see players who are not, uh, let's say, performing to their standards, so they're disappointed. Another thing about the Bernabeu is that the Bernabeu does not like players who do not give full effort. So yeah. there's this thing that Bernabeu will boo players, but Bernabeu boos players when they are not giving effort, you know? The thing is, like, Lucas Vasquez, if you look at him, he's not the best player. He's not, he doesn't have the highest technical quality, but he gives 110%. He gives 120%. He's like, he's like the, 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 the you know, uh, he's like the ideal standard of what, what Madrid wants a Madrid player to be, somebody who gives their all. So, and you'll never see Lucas Vasquez get booed at the Bernabeu. And the second thing about Erling Haaland is, like, once he goes to City, even if he wants to come, come to Real Madrid, the thing is, like, with Florentino Perez, if you uh, if you ditch him once after an agreement, he'll not come back for you again. And the second no. thing is, if we get Kylian Mbappe, Real Madrid will be Kylian Mbappe's team. So would Erling Haaland want to come to Real Madrid that is already known as Kylian Mbappe's team? So for me, I think if Haaland does not join Real Madrid like this summer, it's going to be really difficult for him to come to Madrid. I think it depends yeah. on how he performs at City, though, right? I think if it's already Kylian Mbappe's team, would Haaland, somebody who aspires to be a Ballon d'Or winner, Come to come to play with Kylian Mbappe, who's already challenging him for the Ballon d'Or. So that's why that's I said, like, thing. it depends on how it's, you know, the thing is that for me personally, like, I was like, for the Hazard thing, okay, like, okay, I'm not comparing them on any scale, but I'm not giving an example. Like, I was like, the Hazard was the guy to take us to the next phase of our footballing thing, you know? And like, injuries came and he couldn't fit. You don't know what's going to happen. It might be the same with Mbappe. He comes and he doesn't, yeah, I mean, he delivers, I mean, but he doesn't uh, deliver. Yeah, enough. you then, cannot say what's going to happen in the future, but the thing is, like, as things stand right now and as we expect them to go, I think once, if Mbappe comes, sorry, I'm not even sure Mbappe is going to come, but if he comes, like 100% is going to be Mbappe's team. Would you, would you as Erling Haaland, want to join a team that's already somebody else's team? Imagine like Cristiano Ronaldo, you look at Ramadan and you say it's Cristiano Ronaldo's team, and then you're asking Lionel Messi to come. So it's going to be difficult. That, that's, that's my outlook. So if Haaland wants to come to Ramadan, it has to be this summer. Otherwise, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, I think, I think Mbappe looks likely to go there. Um, you know, this talk about the, the financial situation as well, whether could Real Madrid stretch to them both? Um, don't know. What, like you say, did he want to both be there together when, you know, they're both superstars in their own right? Um, I don't know. I just think in a perfect world, it, it seems a good fit. Um, Haaland to Manchester City with the connections from his dad, etc. And then Mbappe uh, to go to Real Madrid because... Mbappe is a fantastic player and um, PSG at the minute, it's a bit like Hollywood, isn't it? You know what I mean? It, it all looks pretty on the outside, but I don't think it is. Um, and he's never going to get the real credit at, at um, PSG because they, they, they can win the league every year. So what? When they get to the Champions League big stages, they always fail. Mbappe, mm. now he needs to he needs to get to that superstar. Ronaldo's getting old and Messi's getting old, there's, there's a new pathway now for new superstars in town. I think Mbappe to Real Madrid, he's, he's definitely opens it up for him. And I think Haaland to Man City definitely opens it up for him. Like, in my opinion, at least, um, great players always, they tend to play better together, um, in, my, in my honest opinion. And hopefully, eventually, um, Haaland, after his you know, initial priorities are done, he might fancy a move uh, away. That's just me hoping for the best. But um, Steve, quickly on to the Champions League and City. Like, until the moment that you got to the final, uh, I, I never thought that you cared much about the Champions League. Um, no, it, was, it, it was weird because we played you in the semi-final under Pellegrini. I went yeah. to Madrid mm. and the City fans did not give a shit. About it, yeah, and it was very, very, very weird atmosphere in the middle of Madrid. Mm. Play on my own. Was it? Was it when the Yaya Toure chant started? I think it started there, right? I think it started around that time, yeah. But we didn't care, man. And and it was weird because Man City fans always had this like thing that UEFA was gonna was on their backs, so yeah. they they didn't like Manchester City. They didn't want the older teams, the cartels, the the, the Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Man United, Liverpool. Didn't want them teams to ever be dominated by a team that didn't have the prestige and history but all of a sudden you've got this team that's come from nowhere and it's mixing it with the big boys they didn't like it so City fans always probably felt a little bit bullied but mm. that mentality's changed a lot now obviously with the run 
we, we got beat off a very poor Leon side when we should yes. have yes. beat that. Um, and then we, we went on a run last year and, 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 and Manchester City fans can't play that card anymore because we, yeah. we've been to the top table of European football. We've beat Real Madrid, we've beat Barcelona, we've beat Paris Saint-Germain, we've beat Bayern Munich. There's no excuses now. So if you can beat them teams, you, you deserve to, to be winning this trophy. And, and th this trophy is used as a stick to beat us with. You know what I mean? In, in England, domestically, we're cleaning up. We broke every record you can think of. You know, uh, most ever points in a season, Centurion season, cleaned up every trophy in the in the league in one season, never been done. And now it's just this one eludes us. So after losing to Porto last year, when, to be honest, we should have won it and, and, and Pep dropped a clanger, um, that left a nasty taste in my mouth and I think a lot of City fans' mouths. And I think we thought, you know what? None of this bullshit now. Oh, we don't care. We do care. We're, we're, we're the, we've got the team. We've got, we've got the fans. We, we just need to get this trophy in the cabinet. And, and I'll be honest with you, if we won this one Champions League and got it in, I think a couple more would follow because I think it, the monkey's off, off, off the players back then. Yeah. You can sort of relax. Um, until we get that one in the cabinet, um, there'll always be, yeah, but you've never won the Champions League. You, you got mm. Pep Guardiola, you never won the Champions League. But people got to understand Pep Guardiola was brought in to make Manchester City consistent in the league. And winning trophies regular because at the minute we'd won we won the Mancini Pellegrini but it wasn't consistent it was literally like we won one missed a couple won one now under Pep he's dominating it and now for me this season we got a, if we could have magic wand and say Liverpool can have the Premier League Manchester City have the Champions League I'll take that. Well then, do you think like are you get like do fans get frustrated? I mean, City fans get frustrated. Like for example, you mentioned the Champions League final. You know. Not starting with the holding midfielder, for example. For example, we go to the game with Spurs, you know. He started with Ilkay Gundogan in the Spurs game, you know. Like, you, you see these games and you see, like, he over... Like, I wouldn't say overtaught the game, but, like, he tries to be too tactical in these games and this is something that he goes away from the normal City sides. Like, does this kind of frustrate you guys or, like, you're like, we have Pep and that's just it? Oh, it, it does, but, but, but he, does, he does things in other games which work and nobody ever speaks about it. We played Paris Saint-Germain with Zinchenko as false nine. He's left back. And we win the game, no one's asked. So what it is, is, yeah, he's a genius, but he's a flawed genius. Every single great manager has his flaws, and Pep's flaws maybe is, is, is the overthinking situation. Uh, do we understand it? If it paid off and we won the Champions League, he'd be, he'd be crowned a genius for doing that. But he didn't. And at the end of the day, is it frustrating? Hell yeah. You know, we, we, it is. But at the end of the day, you, we've got to back our manager. We can't. We're not this entitled team where we think we've got to win everything. We, we know where we've come from. We know what we've been through. So if Pep Guardiola makes a decision in a Champions League final and you lose the game 1-0, it is what it is. We dust ourselves mm -hmm. off and we go again. Uh, yeah, like I, I, I watched the final um, last year and Chelsea didn't exactly dominate City. City just just looked uh, out out of the depth, like they they didn't have the composure on, on a night like that. The thing is, guys. The thing is, guys. Yeah, the best team in the world doesn't always win the Champions League. That, that's the a fact. best team in your country yeah. always wins the league. You yeah. can you look at this lineup now: Villarreal, Benfica was there, mm. Inter Milan, Sporting Lisbon. Come on, guys. We know we know they're not the greatest teams. You know, there's people saying to me, this Champions League, now it's like Tottenham got to the final, man. Tottenham. I think they lost something like 15, 16 games that season in all competitions. They got to the final. So yeah. Chelsea can beat Man City in that and say, we're champions of Europe, the best team in the world and that. But really, really, they're not. You know what I mean? They're not. But it's that trophy. Everyone wants it. It's all mm. changing again in, in, in a couple of years. They're changing it to a league format. So it's basically mm. going to be the Super League, but in a different form. More teams, yeah. it's going to be harder to win. Maybe, don't know. It's just it's crazy, man. We need to get it in the. We need to get it in this cabinet this season, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. But don't you think that that was a good experience in you guys reaching a final, and that, like, in my opinion, that would have made City all the more mature as yeah. as as the European powerhouse, like. All throughout these uh, years, I, I thought they lacked the experience of uh, going very late into the Champions League. And I think they have that in the back um, at the moment. And that's why, in my opinion, I think people respect City more than PSG because City's obsession 
if I may call it, is healthy. Like unlike PSG's obsession with uh, with the Champions League, City has this uh, determination and persistence to uh, not throw the toys at the uh, at the pram and just you know like uh, throw the towel in. But City has that mentality in them. I think now instilled by Pep, who's also grown as a manager uh, outside of Barcelona and City. Uh, that's that's uh, helping them a lot. Um, this this question is to you, Steve. Like, y- you know, when we speak about Real Madrid, uh, it's Champions League royalty. There's a reason uh, they have this aura and they have the pedigree uh, that they do um, in Europe. So my question is, how big of a difference is talent versus know-how in the big European ties? Um. I don't know because you've seen a lot of teams. You look at the PSG team, for example, it's got a hell of a lot of talent, yeah? Mm. But they haven't got the know-how because teams can rattle them and can take them off the game. They can get physical yeah. with them and next minute Neymar's rolling around on the floor. People yeah. are kicking out at people. The heads have gone and next minute they're out. Mm. And that's why I think Manchester City's victory the other night in Madrid, a few years ago, we'd have lost that game because we didn't have the experience to go against a Madrid team like that. And I what they did is they yep. set right. up at the Etihad 5 mm. 5 and yeah. said, Right, let's take them back to Madrid and we'll mm. take them into deep water in Madrid and they won't like it and we'll beat them. But mm. what they did is they took us into deep water and we matched them. We brought on Fernandinho. If you want to kick us, he can kick you. If you want mm. a free kick, we get a free kick. Jack Grealish was rattling them from the touchline. They, they, they tried every single trick in the book. Yeah. And Manchester City played them at their own game. I was more proud of winning that game than a lot of the other games because I thought, you know what, it showed experience, it showed a different mentality that Manchester City can go in the trenches. If you want to take us in the trenches, we can do it now. And I thought, yeah, we've learned from past mistakes and now we're using it to get through. So at the Mm. minute, we look good. And like you say, um, you can't beat experience, you know what I mean? You can come up against the best players in the world, but you know yourself, you can have a team full of experienced players they know how to play that, you know what I mean? Mm. And now I think we've got a good mix of, of, of really talented players and we've got mm. a little bit of experience now in there, which I think might get us over the line. Yeah, but did you think that uh, you guys struggled against Atleti in the second half? Because for me personally, when I was watching the game, I thought Diego Simeone sort of, you know, laid out a tactical game plan on, on how to play against this city side, especially in a two-legged European tie. Because, okay, on the first uh, on the first leg, he was deservedly criticized for the fact that Atleti were defensive. But when they came back to the Wanda, I think the thing that Atleti lacked most was the fact that they did not have a finisher. But yeah. they, when they went for it in the second half, they almost had Atleti on, uh, sorry, they almost had City on the ropes. Because I think if they had a player like Benzema or maybe even Suarez of last season, I think they could have knocked you out, especially in that second half. Well, to be honest, we, 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 we was... We, were, we did go into it different, but saying that, they didn't, even though at the Wanda, they didn't open up. They, 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 they were very cagey. If they opened if they opened up twice, we hit the post, and then we broke one-on-one. Gundogan put it past the keeper, and they cleared it off yeah. the line. So I was never, I've watched Manchester City a long time, and when you watch a team, it, you, you usually get a feeling in, in, in your, it, when watching them where you're under pressure or you're worrying. And against Liverpool at the Etihad, every time Liverpool got the ball, I was worried because I thought they're going to score. Every time Atletico Madrid got the ball, I wasn't worried because I thought to myself, mm-hmm. we've got two or three more players inside here. And mm-hmm. I think we could have, I think Manchester City could have uh, stepped it up a little bit if we needed to. And I just think we got the job done. Actually, I'm going to disagree more here about the fact that he said, like, uh, uh, Atleti showed a way to defeat, like, to play City across two legged games. I think actually Atleti missed the point. I think Steve can attest to this. Like when you watch the games where Man City have struggled this year, like beat against Palace, Southampton, the Liverpool games. Okay, they haven't struggled a lot against Liverpool, but the point is they play with fast breaks, like with players who are really, really fast. For example, you can check the the Southampton, uh, sorry, the Crystal Palace game. It was Zaha and Olisi. Like that's even the last goal in the 2 0 game. Like it was like a quick break with Zaha, Olisi, and Gallagher. It was a goal. You get the point. Even with uh, Liverpool at. Uh, at the Etihad, like just a couple of weeks back, the goal with minus scored immediately after the halftime. It was just a quick break. Salah, Mane, goal. That's just it, you know? Like the, the point was like, Atleti sits so deep in their own half that you can't get that quick break. Before you run the length of the pitch, already the players have recovered, you know? You just have to like 
hog the even like I think with the uh the Conte game at the Hetiad as well, you know, just Kane was dropping down deep. It was just one release to either Son or Kulusevski, and it was almost a chance for a goal. So I think that's the thing actually. Like when you sit, sit so deep against City, like they're gonna recover. That's the thing. Like Carl Walker is, I think, the one player you never want to be in one on one against. And City uses his speed so perfectly. He's like an additional center back actually. So you never he's can beat him for face. Now. He's injured now. He's not gonna play. Actually, that's what I was gonna say to you. You know, like you guys won at the Wanda, right? But I think like. What about, you know, the physical toll it's taking on you guys? For example, you can see, like, Kevin De Bruyne is not at his 100% yet, you know? Like, for example, I saw the game against uh, Liverpool at the FA Cup, and I was, like, shocked, you know? This is the worst I've ever seen City play, like, in a high... Yeah, we, t- we turned up at the Wembley. We turned up to a gunfight with a knife. We, we got Fernandinho, 36-year-old, in midfield against Liverpool. It's never going to work. You got Zinchenko who's not been playing because of the, the, the troubles in the Ukraine. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. Against Salah, it's never going to work. You got Zach Stefan, second goal. You've seen it, made a mistake, thinks he's Edison. The thing is, like, you take away Edison from Manchester City's team, it's a massive cog in the in, in, in the machine because you you press Manchester City, we dink the ball back to Edison, and he dinks that ball over the press and Manchester City attack. Klopp yeah. realized that Zach Stefan can't do that. If you go press him, he's either going to make a mistake or kick it out for a throw in. Second half, Manchester City came out different. We didn't push the fullbacks too far up, so we basically said to uh, Salah and Mane, "Okay, you, you you attack us. We're not going to give you the space in behind." And when we did that, they couldn't get behind us, but we had to be more patient. And that's what I think the key is with City. When you say teams like Palace and that got behind us, they did because we disrespected Palace and thought we could push that high up the pitch that we'd strangle them. And they used that out ball over the top, got us on the counter attack. I think we're a little bit more different now because of Kyle not playing. Maybe John Stones might play right back, I think. Um, uh, and Zinchenko will play left back because Cancelo suspended. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll play a little bit different. But Ruben Diaz this week, coming back, is a massive, massive bonus for us. He just mm. he just gives us something a little bit different and, 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 he, and we look a little bit more organised with him there. Actually, Steve, I was wondering, did you watch the first day against, uh, of Real Madrid against Chelsea in the quarterfinals? You know, yes. why I'm asking this is because, you know, like, there was an isolation of Vinicius Jr. versus Andres Christensen, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, when I, when I, when I heard um, the coaches saying, like, Walker might not make it, I was actually thinking, like, if he has to play either Ike or John Stones against Vinicius Jr., I think it might be a repetition of this. Because, like, Vinicius Jr. is so fast and so full of tricks, you know, like, he might actually find that as a weak spot, similar to what he did to Christensen in the first half against Chelsea, actually. I don't know what's your take oh, on I that. I agree. I agree. I think I think it's not ideal if we go into this Real Madrid game with John Stones at right back and Zinchenko at left back. Zinchenko is very underrated. He's a very very steady player and what you'll get with Zinchenko is we you won't get in behind him as much because he won't go too far forward. John Stones is a center back so he will sometimes drift in because he's he likes to to carry the ball and he's not the fastest so I think John Stones would be the one um to get Real, but I think Real Madrid are going to be more wary of us as well because they're going to look at our team and think, right, Kevin De Bruyne, Riyad Mahrez, Phil Foden, you know what I mean, Rodri, they're going to think, we got to think about it. So it's going to be a great game on Tuesday night and I, and um, all, all we need to do is maybe maybe get to the, we've got to do what we did against Atletico, get, get there 1-0. If I can get to the Bernabeu with a 1-0, I'm happy with that. Like, I think, uh, you know, uh, Farouk, you just raised the point about quick transition. I think uh, the fact is Atleti were able to do it, but then they lacked the striker to finish off the chances. But the thing is, like, Real Madrid, especially Carlo Ancelotti, they, 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 like, they're masters of the quick transition. And the fact is Carlo Ancelotti has actually tried this tactic against Guardiola, uh, especially when we go back to the last time that Ancelotti and Guardiola faced in the Champions League when yeah. uh, Real Madrid put four pass by in Munich. So I think mm. for Real Madrid, for us, with Vinicius Jr., we have the ability to quickly transition defense into attack. And the fact is, like, yeah, although uh, Manchester City have players like uh, Kevin De Bruyne and uh, Phil Foden and Riyad Mahrez, but the thing is, like, our biggest weakness in defense is aerial ability. And I think yeah. City is a bit short-changed on being able to exploit that. And the fact that once we win the ball deep, we can trans- transition quickly with Vinicius and Benzema. I think Benzema against Ruben Diaz is going to be the matchup to watch in this game. For me, offense like from a Real Madrid side, you know, offensively. So I think Real Madrid, uh, how Benzema does against Ruben Diaz is, is is probably going to have a big impact on this game. 
actually think you know the thing is like the city's midfield is actually so like press resistance i would say or whatever like how can That's i say like, like the... i remember seeing rio farin and mentioned it, like uh post game uh like after the chelsea uh result um he said like he'll uh, the city side would be actually delighted to you know face us because we look clueless in midfield yeah. like uh, under the press we we doesn't seem to cope so i think even when it comes down to both teams being in transition i i think the midfield battle will be a no brainer to see who wins out so i think for the midfield battle the thing is like carlo ancelotti is going to go down the zinedine zidane route right he's probably going to mm. pack the midfield with an extra midfielder so i'm fully expecting valverde cruz um you know valverde cruz and modric to start but then the question is who starts as the fourth midfielder is it kamavinga or do we go with uh, rodrigo and exploit the fact that zinchenko doesn't have the same pace you know as uh cancelo has so probably that would be the biggest thing that real madrid are deciding but for me i think if we add an extra midfielder it is something that we, we can take the battle of the city so it's not like real madrid are completely hopeless you know the, the like we will completely lose the midfield battle and then there's the question of know how i think while city have improved over the past few years you cannot yeah. forget the fact that we have modric and cruz in midfield these guys mm-hmm. they have won four champions leagues been to countless number of ಸೆಮಿಫೈನಲ್ಸ್ಟ್ರೆಸ್ಟ್ರೆಸ್ಟ್ರೆಸ್ಟ್ರೆಸ್ಟ್ರೆಸ್ಟ್ರೆಸ
you know, we can we need to concentrate on him or him. And then next minute they hurt you. You know, Atletico Madrid was the same. They were taking the right, they were trying to rattle our, our, our flair players. And in the end, the, the, the dogged ones, Fernandinho, Nathan Ake, they're the ones that hurt them because they came on and just played them at their own game. But you've got to respect Real Madrid. You've got to respect Modric. And, and, and obviously, you've got to respect Benzema because the guy's just a freak of nature. Seems like he's been around for years and he's still doing what he, he's always done. You know what I mean? So, you know, Vinicius, yeah, like you said before, he's young, he's fast, he's tricky. Um, it's just Modric for me. You just... You know, he's just got that. He's just got that bit of something special about him where he can he can win a game on his own, man. If you let him. Do you do you, do you actually think he eats at the same table as uh, your Xavi Iniesta's, and or does he eat at the table of your Zidane's, and and the level above? Um. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd put him at the table with the Zidane's and stuff. You know what I mean? He's done it in World Cups. You know what I mean? He's done it in big finals. It's hard to argue that he's not, you know, he's played in the Premier League. He's he's a great player, man. You know what I mean? And he, what he lacks in, in, in size and stature, he's just ability-wise, you know what I mean? You've seen that mm -hmm. assist, in it, outside of the boot and some yeah. of the balls he was playing and you just, he's a joy to watch, man. It's a joy to watch. He's rolling back the years, but, you know, He's still in the team. He still gets picked regular, so he must be doing something, right? For sure. Um, yeah, from a Madrid side, I think uh, the player probably watch out for is De Bruyne, right? That's because I think he, he's yeah. the biggest threat at City has against us. Mm -hmm. Riyad Mahrez especially... having a great season. Riyad, um, De Bruyne, Phil Foden. But exactly, we, you know... man. Phil, Phil, I was gonna say Phil Foden to be honest. Like for me, I think like that's the that's the key. I think for me, that's the like it's gonna be like the difference maker because like. I feel like, you know, you can be inwardly matched in the sense that, you know, you might have like, a, how can I say, you can have Modric for KDB, you know, you can actually to some extent say, okay, like maybe Cross and, you know, Bernardo Silva, like if you want to exchange players, but I feel like Phil Foden is the one player which like, you know, we can say we have someone who is similar to, you know, in my opinion. And like, I was just wondering, you know, as City fans, like, and given that, you know, uh, Phil is also like born and bred in Manchester, like, how do you guys, like, how excited are you for him? Like, what do you guys think is the same for this guy? No, listen, he's fantastic. And, and and the way Manchester City have managed him is, is a testament to Pep. When he was um, very young and, and, and Jadon Sancho was at City as well, and people were saying, oh, you're going to ruin him, he needs to play. And uh, Sancho decided to move on. He went to Dortmund, he was playing regular, he was in the England squad, and Phil Foden was still at Manchester City, still sat on the bench, still not playing. And people were moaning about it. But, but the thing is, Pep Guardiola said to him, look, you stay here, you, you you train every day with David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Sergio Aguero, you watch how they train, you watch how they live, you watch how they eat, you watch how they conduct themselves and you learn and then you'll get your chance. And he's done that and he came in a little bit later than Sancho, but look at Phil Foden now and look at Sancho now. Do you know what I mean? So, and and and, and the best thing for, for Phil Foden, what he's done, he's shown a clear path now to all our academy stars that there is a pathway to the first team if you, A, you trust the manager, B, you trust the club, and C, don't take the money early doors because the big, big, big things will come if you believe in your ability. If you're an insecure footballer, it's easy to take the dough and go and play somewhere else because mm. you think you're not going to get it. If you trust in your ability, listen to Pep Guardiola and look at Phil Foden, and next minute you're in Champions League semi-finals, Champions League finals, you're playing for the England squad, and, and, and that's what it is. And, and I say to somebody, if you had a diamond... Would you loan that diamond to your friend and expect to get that diamond back in one year time in the same condition as you give it him? No. So these players in England, especially, they go to these clubs on loan. They go in a dressing room that's not their own dressing room. They see these superstars who aren't superstars driving around in fancy cars, going out, maybe living a different lifestyle. They come back to Manchester City and they think that they've made it and they expect to be in the first team. Then your whole attitude mentality's changed. And what I think with Pep is... He needed to keep Phil away from that, keeping with the pros like the De Bruyne's, uh, the Silvers, them people that live clean lives and, and, and eat and breathe football. And I think it's rubbed off on him. And like you say, he's a Manchester lad and the whole of Manchester loves him, the city side. He, he's one of our own, isn't he? And to see him playing in the first team, it's, it's brilliant, man. It's brilliant. It's, uh, it's very interesting how Pep actually uh, kept his introduction into the first team very very uh like under under the under the sheets because 
you have seen how how much uh, when young players get thrown on the wrong end, thrown into the wrong end of uh, of title races and high pressure games, they they tend to implode. But Foden has um, cemented himself as the best uh, young English talent. Um, we've got, we've got another young player called Cole Palmer. Yeah, yeah, both of them striker, right? He, yeah. he, well, he's he's more he's been playing more as a ten, but Cole okay. Palmer. Let me tell you now, can be better than Foden, and mm. he's another one. Pep's managing him well. He's very, he looks very. Do you ever remember a player called Matt, Matt Latissier? Yeah, Latissier. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, he, he, the Matt Latissier, when you watched him, he didn't look the greatest on the eye. A bit tall and gangly. He didn't really look like he was moving much. Yeah. But quality was unbelievable. And this Cole Palmer's got the same. He can shoot. He can turn left foot, right foot, passing, long range, short range, scores goals. He's another one now abiding our time, keeping him under the radar, you know, not letting him out there, just feeding him in every now and then, you know what I mean? And um, we've got a great conveyor belt of kids coming off the academy at City. We've signed a load of young Brazilian players. Kai mm. Kai, uh, he, he's in the uh, youth team at the minute. He's coming in the cup games and that. So the future's bright, man. The future's good. But, you know, I think uh, the other aspect of it is like, Right, you you had success with Phil Foden with the way Pep Guardiola did because I think in some way that is inspired by how Barcelona treated Xavi and how the transition from Pep Guardiola to Xavi. But the thing is, like on the other aspect of it, we have Vinicius. When Vinicius came to Real Madrid, uh, Lopetegui tried to hold him back, but once Solari took over, Vinicius was like thrown into the fire, you know. And the thing is, like he struggled. He's been through tough times, but the fact is, that at the end, at the end, other end, he has come out as a diamond because you know all the pressures. They they uh, they have uh, in a way like you know taught him how to handle all these pressures that come with playing for Real Madrid. And a question from uh, from my side for you would be, if given the option between uh, Vinicius Junior and Phil Foden, who would you go for? Foden, hundred percent. Foden, okay, okay. Because I I remember a couple of people were asking this question, and you know most people said they would go with Vinicius. And personally, for me. Yeah, I'd probably go with Vinicius too. So I know I understand that you're you're a city it's fan. So absolutely well, unbiased. Absolutely. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just uh, we we feel like you say I, I I see Vinicius bits and bobs. I know he's a great player. I don't watch him week in week out, but we feel I just think we feel um, he's still he's still going, man. He's still going. He's still improving. I just I don't know. Yeah, I probably I think every Real Madrid fan would choose your guy. Every Man City fan would choose Finally, our exactly, guy. Yeah. Yeah. But we need this. Con- we'll have this conversation in in a couple of years, and we'll see where both players are at. Okay, okay let me rephrase this question: Who would you rather? Who's the one player that you would have uh, from the Ramirez team uh, who could probably play for City right now? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, Vinicius definitely, definitely great player. Um, uh, at the minute, we need a striker, so I'd take Benzema. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'd take him, yeah, I'd actually because... surprised you had to think a lot, you know. I, I like for me, if somebody asks me one player from Real Madrid goes into City, I'm like flat out, it's Karim Benzema. Because for me, uh, maybe you disagree for me, but for me, it's like Karim Benzema right now is the best player in the world. Like, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Mo Salah, uh, he's not having a good spell at the minute, you know, but he's the early season form was ridiculous. And him and Benzema, brilliant. Kevin De Bruyne's coming into his own now. Um, like you say, he's, he, he's not 100% fit, but he's literally dragging Manchester City over the line in, in this competition and, and the Premier League. But Benzema is rolling back the years, but the amount of chances we create and there's nobody in the box to stick it in the net is so frustrating. It's unbelievable. Mm. So Benzema would thrive, I think. Kevin De Bruyne whipping them balls in Benzema, it's just, that'd be a match made in heaven. Now. And for me personally, I've always thought like, you know, Karim Benzema is the ideal Pep Guardiola striker because let's say Pep Guardiola has the vision of football that Karim Benzema plays, you know, a striker who who can play all over the place, not just yeah. inside the box. And Pep Guardiola, what he wants from his striker, I think he even had some issues with Aguero because of the Aguero, let's say, it yeah. didn't exactly embody what uh, Pep Guardiola envisioned. So, but for me, Karim Benzema is like the perfect Pep Guardiola striker. Uh, it's, it's a sad fact that Pep Guardiola would never manage Karim Benzema. But for me, like, for, he loves Real Madrid and I love having him at Real Madrid. So no complaints for me. Okay, Mo, let's serve your Uno reverse card. Which City player would you have? Oh, that that's actually a difficult one. But probably for me, uh, you know, there are a couple of areas that we lack in. Uh, the biggest one being aerially at the centre-back position. 
So yeah. probably I could take Ruben Diaz. But then there's also the fact that Kevin De Bruyne is probably among the best midfielders in the world. Although for me, you know, with, without any bias, I think Modric is the best. But then uh, uh, even Kevin De Bruyne coming in and playing in place of Cruz could, could make a difference for Madrid. But like if I had to choose only one, I'd probably go with Ruben Diaz. Sunaid? For me, I think it's, it's, uh, it's clearly KDB and what he brings, the versatility of him who can play as, as a false nine, uh, as an eight down the wing if, if needs be you know he's he's something else and he's been constantly trying to prove himself but you know like the funny thing is like around Madrid I think uh, there were a couple of rumors like over the last past few days that um, Madrid are actually scouting Riyad Mahrez yeah I don't see that happening though yeah, do, do you yeah think it's unlikely but they they have been scouting him I think they've been scouting him for two years now so the best sorry Steve I can't see it at the minute. Um, mm. it, it, to be like you say, to be fair, there's not many. I was worried, get worried about Real Madrid when De Bruyne was was a couple of years ago when he was really on fire. I was thinking Real Madrid, you know. But then you're thinking, okay, if they get him, it's going to be big, big money. I think at the minute now, Man City is a great place to play football. Yeah. I think a lot of people like it, and I think, I think Real Madrid are on a bit of a rebuild. They've got a few players there, like you say, that are getting a bit old now. So they're looking yeah. at refreshing it up. So I think Real Madrid are not looking at the Kevin De Bruyne's of the world. I think they're looking at the youngsters, like you say, yeah. Mbappe. Uh -oh. If they sign Mbappe, then mm. that's your Galactico, in it? That everyone wants to come and play with, isn't it? So yeah. I, I think over the years, the way uh, we scout players and, and buy players has, uh, the model has completely evolved and changed. And we look for younger profiles more than ever uh but steve uh to, to kind of wrap this up uh how, how do you think city lines up tomorrow um i think it's going to be edison in there i think it's going to be zinchenko at left back i think it'd be laporte diaz and stones at right back i think it'd be rodri at dm i think it'll be bernardo silva and uh, Gundogan and I think it'll be Foden on the left De Bruyne in the false nine and Mares on the right that's what I've just got an inkling with what he played I don't think Jesus will play because he started him against Watford I don't think he'll play mm. um, but yeah I think he'll play De Bruyne in the nine yeah for that's me I would, I would be worried about De Bruyne you know getting in behind those spaces because I think uh, for us, uh, David Alaba is already, he's, he's probably going to miss out. Like, it's going to be a game time decision. And the fact that we do not have Casemiro to break up the play, I, I think that's going to be a, a big miss. So I think that those two things with Kevin De Bruyne playing at false nine is probably going to worry me a lot. Mm. Who, who do you think starts for us, uh, Farouk? Yeah, same people, you know, uh, who try mm. in post and we most likely yeah. go in natural and Militao because there's no other option. And then it's as usual. Carval and then for the left back Mendy as well and then in midfield actually I'll go with the midfield for Cruz, Modric, Valverde and uh, most likely not Casemiro so I'll just you know go with Kamavinga in there and let him as I said earlier take his 15 minutes one hour get his yellow card and Rodrigo comes in afterwards and it's Benzema and Vinicius up top so yeah and I'm not entirely sure he'll start Kamavinga because how things yeah. are you know he, uh, I think it was against Sevilla he got booked and stuff so mm. He yeah, I, 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 I'm a little bit hesitant, you know. But I think like uh, the fact that Furlan Mendy is back is probably going to be a big, 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 big boost for us. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I, I'm, I'm still in two minds because if he isn't fully fit, uh, I don't think it'll be as straightforward as many people think. How oh, Mendy you, you're talking about Furlan Mendy? Yeah. Yeah, Mendy is fit. He's been training a little bit like with the ball for the past couple of days. And today, I think he mm. even enjoyed the group training. So Furlan Mendy is fit. The worry I would be of not being fit and playing would be David Alaba, because I think Alaba right yeah. now is a game time decision. So that's the one I would worry about. And Casemiro, the way I see things, is he's probably out. So, you know, if he plays, it, it will be suicide. So for me, I'm worried about David Alaba more than I'm worried about Mendy. Best probable scoreline for us away at the at the hut, guys. <laughs> I don't do predictions. So. <laughs> not. Are you sitting on the fence again? Okay. Okay. Sorry. 
pen setting you you you're on the fence you can't decide what way it's going to go no no for me I, i don't like doing predictions but let's see steve what do you think is the best possible score line for city best score line is 5-0 but i don't think it's <laughs> so uh, i reckon uh, listen if we can take a, a lead even it be a small lead 1-0 um mm. to madrid i'm going to be i'm going to be confident but i think it's going to be a great game um i'm going to go 2-1 say for me personally while i'm not going to give a scoreline i'm probably going to tell you how the game will go it's probably going to be a lot more like atleti than how we played against chelsea so we're probably going to sit deep and transition how uh, you know ancelotti played against bayern in 13 14 so i'm probably expecting that game so i wouldn't be surprised if red nick a goal or two you know on transition I but then the, the thing is that you know like you said about 13 14 man like in 13 14 we had different players man like di maria was there are different but but you know the thing is like carlo ancelotti has probably been you know he has been implementing his tactics and with a one week break you never know what happens oh, real madrid are coming in fresher than manchester city so that's the, the, that's going to count the, for something the actual thought of watching us sitting deep inside our own half at at the etihad just gives me you know absolute nightmares i don't know how <laughs> we actually you know I mean, you, you know got, got to be the most pessimistic real madrid fans <laughs> you know you know how, how refreshing this is lads to to hear real madrid fans saying that they're scared to sit deep at the etihad when Manchester City used to play Stockport County and Macclesfield Town, Brimsby no, Town, no, no, get beat. No. Macclesfield Town does not even exist. <laughs> it's, 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 it's fantastic. It's fantastic to hear, lads, from from my point of view. <laughs> it's it's um it's a completely different generation. Steve. I did I did a I did a uh, lad bible. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen it when against uh, Robbie from Arsenal TV. Yeah. Mm. And we we got talking about history, and I said to him that my football story. is the best football story in the world. I said I've gone from Barnsley to the Bernabeu. And they're even making t-shirts now at City with with the slogan on Barnsley to the Bernabeu. So yeah, next yeah, you week, should we should probably also use this I'm from Barnsley so, to Bernabeu. So next you join us for the City yeah. preview. <laughs> next week next week when I uh, I'm sat in that play on my old square um mm. just having some tapas them 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 old days crossed my mind and i realized how how lucky i am to be uh, going to the stadium i love the bernabeu i love mm. the history behind it i think it's fantastic it gives me shivers down my spine when i go in there i just think it's it's awesome and to see your team play there and see my team win there it's uh, yeah it's brilliant man it's brilliant this is what you live for man this is what you live for bernabeu on the on the champions league night is something really special because You know, Bernabeu in La Liga is different because we have a lot more season ticket holders and the older fans. But when you yeah. come to the Champions League, it's like season ticket holders don't get those tickets. So Bernabeu at the Champions League has a different set of crowd. And when Real Madrid, especially when Real Madrid start putting pressure on the opponents, it's really difficult for the opposition team to play at the Bernabeu. I've got, you know? I've got to admit that the uh, Atletico Stadium was fantastic. Yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed mm. it. I've, I've never been before. And Have thought, you been to the wow. old one, the old Atleti Stadium, the Vicente Calderon, the yeah. previous? Have you been yeah. there? I've mm. never been to the Calderon. No, I've been. Oh, I've been around. The thing Spain, about Atleti but... is like Calderon was a lot more passionate than uh, uh, the Metropolitano is. Say, but the thing is, like oh. this particular game, Metropolitano matched the levels of Vicente Calderon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what Steve is alluding to. No, Go it on. was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. We had. But we, it was a bit of a nightmare because we 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 got into town on the Tuesday and the Chelsea fans were there, so we went to play a Mallorca and it was Man City Chelsea fans both in the square. It didn't it didn't end well. <laughs> Especially after how how um, yeah uh, Tuchel had that number last season. But yeah, that's that's another story uh, in itself. But before we go, Steve, one small final question to you. Uh, yeah, it's almost like certain Rudiger is joining joining us. Tuchel, uh, he came, he came out uh, in the post match and said, uh, apparently Rudiger told him that he wants to leave. How how do you rate him? Like, is he actually uh, good enough? To be honest, um, Matisse and, and and a few of the Chelsea boys will tell you that he he didn't always have a great start. They were talk of mm-hmm. him uh, before Tuchel came in. He they, they were saying he, he can go. He's rubbish. He wasn't mm-hmm. up to standard, so they wasn't happy with him. When yep. Tuchel came in, he seemed to get a tune out of him, and now obviously he's a great, he's a great player. He's a good player. You get him on a free transfer, you know. And I think if he comes into Real Madrid side with the, the caliber of player you guys have got, 
Um, it'd be a good signing. I mean, there's a lot of free transfers knocking about this summer. There's a lot of teams, especially Barcelona, they're sniffing round a few um, as well. But I think he's going to Real Madrid. I think he's mm. going to Real Madrid. Mm. Yeah, for Marin, I think Rudiger is coming. The thing is, like, it, it's a good opportunity, so probably they're going to take it. Personally, I would probably have gone in a, in a different direction, but when he's coming, we got to support him. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, actually, Steve, I have a quick question for you. It might not be quick, yeah. but then the thing is this. So I was actually just wondering, you know, like with Man City and Guardiola currently, like I think you can recall when like the Abu Dhabi group came, I think we have to like, from the perspective, footballing perspective, we have to give them all the credit, you know. But what I was always thinking is that, you know, they've always set up City in such a way that it's the ideal place for Guardiola to work. Whether it's Soriano, whether it's Tixi, you know, whether it's the footballing academy and all that. And like, you know, whether you like to admit it or not, you start to see like the end with Guardiola is nah. So, like, do you kind of feel, like, fear for the future of what's going to happen afterwards? Like, you laid all the groundwork for just this person to come, and he came, he achieved the success, but then what's going to happen afterwards? No, to, 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 to be honest, I think what, we're, what they're trying to implement is a, is a style of football that's associated with the football club. So, Pep Guardiola's been brought in with Tixi Soriano to implement this style, and it will always go down as Pep's style. But every football club now in the Premier League is trying to play Pep's style. All the goalkeepers mm-hmm. are playing out from the back. People are trying it. So I think that Man City's academy from top to bottom are all playing this way of football. I think this is the future of Man City. Even when Pep leaves, this is the way, the blueprint for the next manager will have to come in and follow this step. I don't think it will be a case of like new manager, new ideas. I think it will be basically getting somebody to come in and implement the club's ideas. So it'll be like you, you come to Manchester City and you play this way. The academy plays this way. The, the, the owners expect you to play this way. This is the way it goes. I do believe Pep Guardiola is going to sign a new contract. So uh, I have been told that. So hopefully he will sign a new deal in a couple of years. And then I think it's just a case of getting the right man in. At the minute, I don't think there's a great, a great uh, lot of great managers out there. I'll be honest. I don't think, I think it's one of the, 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 the it's bad when, when probably the most uh, sought after manager in Europe is Ten Hag. Who play, who's a manager in Holland, and he's going to a team that's in a mess in Man United. So he's either going to do a miracle, yeah, and he's <laughs> going to turn that club around and be a hero, or he'll ruin his career because after you've been there, you don't get many. There's not many people knocking on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's door for a job at the minute. He'll be he'll be chilling in Molda uh, soon. So. <laughs> <laughs> for one conclusion with Ole. But yeah, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. You know, man like Steve straight out of Stockport joining us uh, on a pod. It's it, It's been pretty amazing. And uh, yeah, any last thoughts, guys? No, it's been good, mate. Listen, you lads, uh, um, thanks for having me on, first of all. Um, and listen, right. just enjoy the game, man. Enjoy the game. I'm sure we'll touch base after this. And then next week, if we can squeeze something in, before yeah. the, the return, I'll try and I'll try and squeeze something in. But um, yeah, thanks, guys. Thank Keep doing what you're doing, lads. And uh, you know, if I can help you in any way, if you want any of the big six boys on, give me a shout. I'll get them on for you. Do you know what I mean? I'll tell them Absolutely. to stop being uh, the big dogs. Uh, eh? The big dogs. Get the big dogs on, on for you, mate. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, Steve. You, 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 thanks for being here with us. No that, problem at all, all fellas. Cheers, lads. Yeah, thank Cheers. you very much, mate. It's a pleasure. Ala Madrid. Ala Madrid. Ala Madrid. Come on, sir.